You want to book as much acting work as you can, as often as you can. We get that. The thing is, you don't book acting work by focusing on booking acting work. The industry is more dynamic than that. The art is more interesting than that. By taking you inside the craft, the casting room, and the business, and bringing other industry experts into the conversation, we dig in. We pull back the curtain of the industry and show you how much power you really have as an artist. And by bringing your humanity to the work and the industry, you become an artistic leader, the kind of actor who books work. Even after decades of working with actors all over the world, in our classes at the BGB studio, teaching, coaching, casting, directing, producing, acting, on set, on stage, behind the camera and in front, nothing excites us more than seeing you express your unique artistic voice, humanize the business, and book work doing it. We're here on the podcast and in class at the BGB studio to give you all the tools you need to be a championship level working actor right now in an industry that desperately needs your voice and your leadership. Yeah, industry and artistry. This is the only place you're going to hear this. I'm Risa. And I'm Steve. And this is the acting podcast from the BGB studio. So before we begin... We're going to hit you with an ad here. Let's not make any bones about it. That's what this is. It's an ad. Yeah. We are thrilled and moved by the response to the podcast. We love reaching actors all over the world, actors like you, who tell us that our podcast inspires them, informs them, and makes them excited and proud to be an actor. Yeah, but make no mistake, an acting career is won by being in the consistent practice of the work, week after week, month after month, year after year. Success for an actor is in the doing. So here at the BGB studio, we offer the highest quality acting training for passionate, committed, talented, and ambitious actors. We see that kind of work transform talent into successful careers, and that makes us so happy. There is no substitute for doing the work consistently, and we offer the work of success. We are the home of your 10,000 hours. We offer ongoing and eight-week on-camera auditions, scene study, and workout classes. They're available now. So sign up now to secure your spot and get to work. Go to braymangarciabraun.com slash classes or click the link for classes in the podcast show notes. We'll see you in class. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to show up today here at the BGB studio to share your stories, reflections, and insights on what it means to give and ask for consent and to create and maintain spaces in which to work, spaces that are safe, inclusive, and protect the freest and most authentic creative and human expression in vulnerable and everyday work situations. Uh, and so in wake of the ongoing Me Too and Time's Up movements and the litany of industry professionals, many we know and have experienced ourselves coming out as being survivors or participants in invasive behavior of any kind, we're interested in, I'm interested in, I know you're interested in continuing this conversation around consent on set, in rehearsal, in performance, in the office workplace, specific to our industry, so that we can redefine what it means to request and offer consent while doing deep creative work in storytelling in business dealings and in everyday life. And the work we do is, is you know, it's sensitive. We're in an industry where our work is meant to be sensitive and vulnerable. And yet then we have to go into business dealings where often people express themselves, you know, in what has been a very male-dominated industry in ways that are not quite so respectful, not quite so vulnerable, not quite so intimate. And so it's really a discussion that we want to have about what it's like to work in that, what it was like to work in that, and what the hope is for the future. So I'm going to talk about each of you individually to our audience so that they can know how incredible you are. So first, Laura Innes. I've known Laura for a long time. She's a brilliant and deeply sensitive director and actor with years of TV and theater credits, and you might just know her from her long-standing portrayal of Dr. Carrie Weaver on ER. She's directed episodes of The West Wing, for which she was nominated for an Emmy, The Affair, How to Get Away with Murder, Sneaky Pete, House, the list goes on and on and on. She's also a mother and activist focusing on the rights and protections of people with disabilities and those who identify as LGBTQ. Lori Zacks is a TV producer, and I've known her forever. She currently works for ABC Studios as president of Mandeville Television. She's developed, produced, and overseen shows like Castle, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Everybody Loves Raymond, Veronica Mars, and so many more. 
She's been at an executive level at multiple huge networks over the course of her illustrious career. And full disclosure, she's also my cousin and a woman role model who I have always looked up to. Margaret Judson has had an impressive career so far, really impressive. She is an award winning actor, journalist, and activist who began her acting career after leaving her job at MSNBC to join the writer's room as a consultant for the newsroom and appeared in every episode of the show. She can also be seen on The Deuce and Modern Family. Margaret has contributed to CNN and The New York Times in the wake of the Me Too movement. Nick Ballard, is an active BGB member here in an ongoing class. He is a Louisiana-born actor with more than 40 credits to his name. He's worked in theater throughout the United States, and you have definitely seen him in his dozens of commercials alongside his series regular role on Tyler Perry's Too Close to Home. He's also a hand model, a print model, and he lives here in North Hollywood with his wife and one-year-old daughter. And finally, Esme Bianco. You may know Esme from a sweet little show called Game of Thrones. She portrayed Roz for three seasons on the Emmy Award-winning Juggernaut, and before that, she enjoyed a successful international modeling career as well as a stint in burlesque and cabaret. In addition to acting, she is also an activist and helped write and advocate for the Phoenix Act, which extends the statute of limitations on domestic violent crimes in California. Supported by Esme's efforts and testimony, the bill was just signed into law which is amazing and fabulous. She is also a big part of our BGB creative community doing extraordinary work here. Okay, so let's begin. Let's uh, start with each of you saying a little bit about yourself so we can put a name to your voice. So tell us something that you've achieved in your work that you're proud of or known for and something that you're excited about that you're in the midst of or have coming up. Okay, let's start with you, Laura. Hi, my name is Laura Innes, and I'm most, I guess I'm most well-known for playing Dr. Carrie Weaver on ER for many years. And while on that show, I started directing on ER and on Wings, and now I do a lot of directing. And, um, yeah. Great. Thank you. Oh, hi. I'm Lori, Lori Zacks. Um, I guess... uh, well, what, what the biggest thing for me, the life-altering change for me was getting myself onto Saturday Night Live uh, at a very young age, and um, that kind of catapulted me into my life of whatever it's called, um, <laughs> entertainment, very nonlinear life. Um, and now I'd say that... Um, you might think this is kind of amusing that um, I'm Who, me? Real, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm really known for being really, really good with actors. And say more. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, as a producer, I'm a producer now, and everybody comes to me uh, in terms of d- as dealing, you know, in uh, with actors all the time. And sometimes I'll get a phone call from you know an executive at the studio and say, "Listen, we need you to like." you know, you're the whoever it is whisperer, you know. I have this amazing ability to get people to do things that they don't want to do, which I honed at, at Saturday Night Live, mm. talking all those people into hosting when no one wanted to host the show. So, um, yeah, that's... And that's a really that's interesting thing, and we'll get to that, because mm-hmm. you've spent time having to whisper to actors, coax actors yes. to do things that they might not, not want to do and, and been the voice of the... of, of you know, the studio or the Mm -hmm, network mm -hmm. um, in dealing with actors, you know, when they're working in in intimate and vulnerable situations. Yes, but I would never, let me just, uh, in terms of the topic of this conversation, I would never, you know, when I say I'm an actor whisperer, it's it's all for the good of the show. I've never, I've never asked an actor to do something that I was uncomfortable with. And yes, I've been asked to. Yeah, and I we'll talk about I, that. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about because I can't, yeah. I can't say that's true for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I know. I've, I've asked I know. people to do things that I, know. I would never ask mm-hmm. them to do now. We'll get to that. Okay. It's yeah. so honest of you to say that. Yeah. That, that, I've been around a long really time and it doesn't yeah. matter the anymore. The honesty. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, just admitting that. Yeah. Um, but that's sort of a perfect segue. I, um, 
Well, my name is Margaret Judson. I'm an actor and journalist, so I went to school for journalism and uh, ended up an actor. I was on the show The Newsroom as a consultant and an actor in every episode. Um, Since then, I've continued with my journalism career, and most recently, I'm really passionate about the conversation we're having today because I uh, wrote for the New York Times a piece about intimacy coordinators. And so uh, I published that, and now it's quickly becoming uh, something uh, that I really believe is my life's work. Wow. Wow. That's great. We want to hear more about intimacy. Yeah, I'm happy to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Uh, Hi, I'm Nick Ballard, uh, an actor. Um, Proudest moment probably would be booking a series regular off of tape mm-hmm. and that really changed everything mm-hmm. all of the work I'd done with theater and, and guest spots here and there uh, the whole process uh, opened my eyes to the industry in a way that uh, I was very surprised and unexpected but should have expected I guess and right now I'm excited about a couple of projects to be released later in the year hi I'm Esme Bianco I'm an actor and um, activist um, probably most well known for playing Roz on Game of Thrones for three seasons until they killed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and let's, will you identify how you were killed? Oh, um, yeah, I was strung up from a four post bed and used as target practice by Joffrey. So I was all filled with crossbow arrows because. With very little clothes with on. With very little clothes on. More clothes than they wanted me to have on, mm-hmm. but yeah. we'll get to that. <laughs> Currently, um, kind of a, I guess it's an extracurricular activity. I'm um, working on the Phoenix Act, which is a bill in California to um, raise the statute of limitations on domestic violence. So I'm also a domestic violence survivor. So that is pretty much my full-time work at the moment. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing. Wow. Very effective, Mm -hmm. right? Incredible. Yeah, yeah. All right. Thank you. Um, so let me just ask you, and anybody can answer this, what does consent mean to you in, on the workplace, on stage, on set? You know, what does that even mean? What comes up with the notion of what consent even is? Just to define that concept for yourselves. Yeah, I think that's such an important question because it's so easily taken off course, especially when we start to talk about gender um, parity on set and the understanding of power. And that's how I would really define consent right now as I'm thinking about it sort of intellectually is the balance of power. So how easy it is for somebody to say yes or no and really truly advocate for themselves. Um, So something that happened to me, so I was on, the reason I wrote the piece for the New York Times is because of an episode that I did on The Deuce. So it's on HBO, it's about pimps, prostitutes, Mm. um, et cetera. Uh, in the 70s, and so an inherently very sexual subject. Um, And when I first signed up to do, to even audition, I understood this as there was a potential for top, topless nudity. Uh, That was a negotiation I made with myself that I was willing to do that. I wanted to work with David Simon, I wanted to work with Maggie Gyllenhaal most of all. Um, So I write about that in the Times, and something I left out because it's tangential, but I realized is very important is that was a very good episode of TV that I did. I made a lot of fans when I shot that. Um, So they asked me back. And when they asked me back, they asked for more nudity. And at that point, I had had everything for my reel. I made fans on set. Mm -hmm. You know, I made all, I I got everything I wanted to out of that. So I had power at that Mm -hmm. point. And that was the negotiation I made to myself. Now, I have the power that I'm realizing now, and I don't even re- didn't even realize it as I was making that decision, that now I have the power to truly consent to going forward and doing more or not. And just personally for me, I decided that I didn't want to do that. And mm-hmm. I had the power at that point to truly negotiate that. And how did they respond? They weren't happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And it was all women. On, and just mm-hmm. because I really do think that we get um, sort of, yeah, taken off course because we start to make it a gender issue and it was all women on the conference call that I had when they so they asked me back I was very flattered then it was the director was a woman the producer I spoke to was a woman uh, my manager at the time woman the intimacy coordinator was on the call woman me woman and uh, the, the the response was to um, not to, especially from 
one person, uh, I felt like there was a lot of nudging and I really mm-hmm. stood my ground, but there was absolutely the potential. It, I realize now if I hadn't felt so like, oh, I got what I needed out of this and mm-hmm. I can truly make a decision for myself and, and have my, you know, autonomy and my own agency, uh, I, I don't know if I would have felt so strongly about making such a clear decision of no for me at that time. And I think it isn't, this is Esme. Um, I think it's, I, I like the fact that at least they um, had that conversation with you and gave you an opportunity to be heard. Um, and I mean, massive kudos to you for like, st- you know, standing up for like what you were comfortable with. Um, you know, I very similarly was only meant to do like one episode in Game of Thrones. I was meant to do one scene. And the discussion had been from the very get-go, like prior to the audition, they're going to want nudity and you have to be comfortable with that and there'll be simulated sex. And um, But it was within the context of this one specific scene. So, which I shot and then they asked me to come back. And the conversation was never had ever again about where my level of comfort was in terms of nudity, in terms of the type of simulated sex. And there was never that conversation. I would just get these scenes sent to me with an assumption that everything Mm. was fine. So, you know, and this was right at the beginning of my career. I'd, I'd never had a job like this before. I had no idea how to negotiate it. I had a very small agent who was predominantly a model agent who didn't have a great deal of experience theatrically so I had like no structure or idea really I was completely naive to how the process worked and of course I was on this amazing HBO show which at the time I you know didn't realize was going to turn into what it turned into um so I felt like I had no choice almost like no agency I mean of course I I, I did, you know, I have to accept responsibility for myself, but no, there was never a conversation about like, where is your level of comfort with this? And I think that's really scary because I, you know, I mean, at least when I was at the position when I was doing that, I was in my late twenties, I used to be a burlesque performer. So I had all this experience of nudity and a level of confidence and comfort with that. Um, but even so, I found it incredibly difficult. And I cannot imagine what a even younger actress who didn't have that kind of experience, like the vulnerability that you come in into, you know, a show like that with, and for a conversation never to be had mm-hmm. is just, it's, it's really scary. So I'm so glad to hear that you, that, that that happened, that that was like, you were an active participant in like, in, in talking about it, but uh, of did, did, did you get a nudity writer or anything d- in describing or in detail about what you were expected to do? I would get the nudity um, the nudity writers like on the and it wasn't a nudity writer so much as like a, a waiver where I had to mm-hmm. basically give up, your mm-hmm. give, give up my yeah. rights, mm-hmm. and I would get that every single time they would put it in my trailer on the morning. So I wouldn't have a... And you a, didn't know you could ask or negotiate that. No. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it got to the stage by, like, season two, I understood, you know, my I had an attorney at that point. She drilled it into me. You never sign anything without mm-hmm. me reading it first. Um, but, of course, I would show up on set in Belfast, you know, eight hours ahead in time difference than, than L.A., and they're like, we can't have you walk onto set until you've signed that nudity mm-hmm. waiver. Wow. So I was in a position That's where it's right. like, I either stall an entire day of shooting or I sign it and I just get mm. on with it. And I know for a fact that nudity waiver had in it details like they could use a body double to simulate additional um, additional sex scenes and basically look like make it look mm-hmm. like it was me doing that, which... I'm very grateful that <laughs> I'm or lucky. I don't know how you put it that they um, that they never did that. But frankly, they didn't have to, given the you know the ex- ex- extremes of what um, what I did on the show. Um, I'm wondering. Um, I just asked both of you if the attitude taken by the production on the second time you went did they ever um, did you ever get the sense that their attitude was a bit of entitlement where hey you did you know we gave you this show yeah we you know I think that that is a typical tactic like I, you did it the first time right totally. now you're yeah. a star and now you're on a hit show 
why you they know why are you giving us a problem yeah. yeah i didn't feel it so much as like we've looked what we've done for you mm -hmm. i felt it more from the sense of well you've already done that so why would this be an issue right um the yeah. it was an assumption and you know and i've said it before and i'll say it again that i don't have any regrets about what i did and mm -hmm. i would do it again given the chance but the fact that those conversations weren't happening in retrospect is scary at the time i didn't mm -hmm. think anything of it i was like oh well this must just be the way the industry works and i you know if i want to be on this show then mm. I'm gonna suck it up and deal with it Absolutely. and and I can deal with it I knew that I I knew that I could but and there was no advocate for you there was no producer or no, another woman no. that you could speak to on the set nothing one thing I will say is that um, on one specific scene where I had this very I mean it was the scene that became known as the sex position scene and it was like a very extreme scene with another woman and the other the other woman was actually a, an a adult actress so she mm -hmm. was way more like comfortable with and, tr and trying to push things talk about consent mm -hmm. trying to push things like during the scene that I was like mm -hmm. whoa this is meant to be simulated sex I can't on a mm -hmm. second um but um, Dan Minahan was the mm -hmm. director on that, and he's a wonderful, wonderful man and um, had directed um, quite a lot of the L Word prior. Mm -hmm. And he actually arranged for us to have a rehearsal offset the day before mm -hmm. so that we could get comfortable with what we were doing. And it was the only time that happened. And mm -hmm. that was, it was his, his suggestion, mm -hmm. and he arranged it, and he made it happen, and um, I'm very glad he did. But no, there was never no advocate and I had a I had a female manager she never advocated mm. for me oh. I had female agent she never advocated there was nobody well yeah. I think also what's happened over time is the more sex that has been on television and mm. film we haven't caught up with mm -hmm. that kind of conversation well this is Laura mm -hmm. um, the thing that comes to mind as I hear you guys talk is as a director your job uh, from my point of view, has always been to protect the actor and create a, a zone of comfort. And now I see some of that stuff becoming sort of integrated into the structure of a place. And I know for me, I think a thing that's very helpful is I always send out an email generally to the actors, you know, anything that makes you uncomfortable. And then sometimes they say have a meeting, but I always say have two meetings. Because the first meeting, they want to please you. So they're going to, especially a guest actor. And I think that's a really important distinction between guest and starring actor. And then that third conversation, you've developed a bond with them. So you can really have comp the actual authentic conversation down to things that are emotional, things that are a history of abuse, things that are religious, mm -hmm. things that are, I have celluloid here. Mm -hmm. You know, please don't photograph this. And I think that that makes that structure happen. And then once you have that structure, you can go crazy because everybody knows the rules. Mm -hmm. But I do think it's really, really hard to be a guest and be in that position. And still, most of the time, it's a male, you know, Yeah, set. I was going to well, say that. It's. A, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. No, I, 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 uh, on another show of a pretty popular show, the same thing happened to me. And it was, luckily, we had a day before rehearsal. And it was um, something that, even in the email, when I auditioned for the part, I said, you know, I'm not comfortable with full frontal nudity. And I had that in email, and everyone agreed. and. They booked me. And then the day of the shoot, everyone just assumed that I was going to do it. And then I had to take everyone off to the side and say, you know, hey, this is not what we agreed on. And they were just like, what? And then I, I go to my trailer, call my agent, and they work it out. But we had a day. And I was so happy we had that day. Because if we didn't, because of the pressure, being nervous, I might have said yes to doing something I didn't want to do. It was a surprise to me that everyone just assumed that I was going to do Do you think do they that. assumed that because you're a man? Or because it just was, you're on the show, you should know what the what the culture is here. Yes, but the show hadn't released yet. So there were just, you only knew little bits about it. But I, yeah. I, I question that. Is it because I was a man? And, hmm. The the thing that that happens on these these kinds of shows, and I think it's I'm not defending this at all because mm -hmm. I did four years casting Masters of Sex, and we had sex all the time. We had mm -hmm. people coming in the room to audition where they had to simulate masturbation, and we would have to tape them, and mm -hmm. you know, hopefully sometimes they 
went a little too far, but um, <laughs> that's another story. But the fact is that I think what happens, I know what happens, is that people get so deep into their own stuff. There's, as you know, Laura, and you all know that that you're trying to make a show, you're trying to make a movie, and and you just are not thinking about what those actors' mm-hmm. needs are because like they should show up and take care of themselves, or we'll deal with this when we get there. I had so many times act directors would say, "What do you, what, you want me to call them and talk to them about what?" Well, there's a very intimate scene coming up, so you know, you just have a conversation. So everybody's on the same page, you know. And in the writer that I created, that I wrote, you know, beyond what the studio had, it, you have to in- explain the director. And I don't know how you would feel if you got this, Laura, but I, I said you have to almost give a shot list and tell the actors how you're going to shoot them, mm-hmm. because nobody was being responsible. Nobody was stepping up and thinking about it ahead of time a show run by women. Mm-hmm. Who and every time I'd say that to them, they'd go, "Oh, we have to deal with this again." You know, and it mm-hmm. wasn't that they were being ignorant or 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 neglectful or uh, mean spirited about it or dismissive. They just had so many other things to do. It didn't dawn on them mm-hmm. to to have to take care of people that way. And so, you know, those situations come like, of course, well, uh, you know, why wouldn't you, sh- you know, show your whole body? Mm-hmm. You have a nice body, Nick. What's the problem? I mean, why don't you just, you know? But you, you signed something. You did. Well, you, wait, did you? You said you weren't going to do it. And- I had. I had. Um, I, it was an email. It was mm-hmm. from the beginning, but because sometimes you get to sit, you, you get your contract, then you go to rehearsal. You don't mm-hmm. see your whole contract. And I did. I saw the writer afterwards, and I looked at it. It had all of those things you're talking about, and mm-hmm. uh, and I realized they they could do whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. But you didn't get that ahead of time. Well, you we were in a hurry to get to rehearsal, and right. so I had it. No, I'm talking but about I like had a week before. No, mm-hmm. no. But you said you made it clear to your reps. Yes, and then mm-hmm. but there was still confusion. Yeah. Yeah. But but to Risa's point, I think that's why. Because that's something that I was always very aware of. Like I appreciated that nobody, you know, nobody on set has time to do anything except take care of themselves and their mm-hmm. own job. Because everyone's always so busy. Um, so I think the intimate intimacy coordinators that's so incredibly important because that is their one and only job is to look out for the actors mm-hmm. and to have the conversations with it and be the advocate mm-hmm. yeah. so that an actor isn't trying to scramble to like make a call to their agent when they you know when there's a 12 hour time difference mm-hmm. and um you know i was very lucky that i had other actors advocate for me a lot on the scene on the set of game of thrones like hey peter dinklage pointed mm-hmm. out that somebody was on the on the half you know that there was somebody hiding on the half of the set that was meant to be cleared so that my dignity was um you know mm-hmm. give me some shred of my dignity when i'm like you know moving my leg across to get onto a bed while totally naked but he shouldn't have to do that you know it shouldn't be in a situation where you're having to um, you know, speak up for yourself in a room full of very often men um, to talk about something like very intimate and private. And something I always compare it to just to sort of give reference is we always have a stunt coordinator. Mm-hmm. So there should always be an intimacy coordinator. That's a new new concept. Have you ever worked, Laura, with it? I've never never heard of an intimacy coordinator. Really? Till now? Just this minute. Are you serious? Wow. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Oh, wow. I was in the car. Yeah. I heard on the radio. My wife never. and I just looked at each other. We were like, about time. Right. I have never heard oh, it. Here? Never yeah. heard it. But it, I, yeah. I have to say, I mean, listening to you, it's, it makes me feel so bad because that I consider that as a producer, that that's part of my job. And it's not just to look after the women. It's to look after everybody on the show, but specifically if there is going to be a sex scene. Um, always there, always. Like there was, you know, if I'm not there, then I send somebody else there. There is no reason to ever feel uncomfortable at work, you know, that there's no one there, you know, for you. And yeah, every everyone is doing their job, but I do believe that, that that's unfortunate. And that's, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's just so important that somebody be there. And I have to say, and this is not all male directors, but there, from all the directors that I've worked with, men and female, there is a difference between male directors and female directors, at the very least in terms of sensitivity. I have a couple of things that I'll say briefly. Is like as a director working with an intimacy coordinator or even a producer yeah. who's speaking to the director away from me, I find very disrespectful. 
because every moment of that scene mm -hmm. is influenced by every other moment. So mm -hmm. to have some an, an actor come to me and said they said this, you know, I think that's really tricky. Well, so what about stairs together? Sometimes, yeah. sometimes not. Yeah. You so, know, so have and, you worked with intimacy coordinators in, in, on occasion? I've only worked with one as an actor oh. on stage. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I found it really helpful. And I like it, but you have to be so deeply on the same page. Yeah. And in terms of just one other thing, in terms of the gender of it, I've had uh, female producers who were horrible to women and really wanted them mm -hmm. to like, and really manipulative and lied. Yeah, 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 we'll take care of you. And then doing just enough to get away with it. And then I also have worked with an older actress who had to be completely naked. I mean, she wasn't really, she looked great, mm -hmm. but she was in her 50s. The main actor had uh, like, whatever they call it, like a little Speedo thing, nude Speedo sock. thing. Right. <laughs> but he had more than that. He mm -hmm. refused to just wear a sock. She was buck naked, and so she pulled me, and she had been, yeah, 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 I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it, it's all fine. And it was a funny scene, so I was less concerned about mm -hmm. it. But then on the day, she got really upset. We went into the bathroom in this house, and we were there for 45 minutes talking about, because she had certain things about her body from mm -hmm. having two children, and I said, you know, some dude is not going to be in here talking about this. Mm -hmm. And so, I don't know, it, it's, gosh, there's all kinds of levels mm -hmm. of protection and freedom mm -hmm. needed. Well, I think there's, the important thing is there's more of an awareness of it now. And Just a conversation say, yeah. that happens, yeah. 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 And I love what you're saying, though, about the intimacy coordinator thing, because you don't want that person, you know, sometimes you can let a stunt coordinator go off with the actors and do stunt stuff and then bring it back to you, but you don't want an intimacy coordinator or anybody to be representing your vision or your point of view no, or your you relationship, your intimate relationship yeah. that you just described with your actors without you being involved with that. What is your experience with that? Yeah. Um, I do understand what you're saying, that there um, is a difference between stunt work and intimate work and I do think that's an important distinction and also I would argue that you know these are things that are physical contact and they're they're you know uh, something that Alicia the coordinator on the do said to me was your erogenous zones are the same as your fight zones oftentimes so like your neck or your heart or you know the places that are most sensitive are the ones you would go for in a fight and they're also what you would touch to you know be more sexual and so there is a ton of overlap and to not give it the same attention would be yeah a dereliction i think i think it it is it is important i've yeah. just realized i've done mostly network tv that's why i don't know what it is <laughs> <laughs> but even in network tv it's oh, starting yeah to become. But, it's, that's it, also but not as not to the extent not, of, an, outside you know, of hbo that. and yeah and that's what worries me too because we're talking about the biggest networks out there. We're not talking about independent films, student films, mm -hmm. non-union films, where people are just getting out here. They're, they don't know what's going mm -hmm. on. You're not dealing with professionals that are seasoned professionals. You're dealing with people that are just going with the flow. And it, it scares me because I think a lot of people are willing to say yes to anything just for a scene for the real. I'm so glad you said that because I was in a horror film. And it was an independent film, but I was the lead of it. So I did have some power in it. Um, I wasn't just a day player, and they asked me to do um, simulated sex, and that wasn't something that we discussed beforehand, and it was sort of on the day, here we go, you know, what's the problem, what's the big deal kind of thing, and it wasn't something that I wanted to do, and it was actually in my um, contract that I wouldn't do uh, simulated sex, and then because, yeah, there, it was an independent film, and it's a little bit easier, even easier to cut corners, I felt really like bullied into doing it. I ended up not, um, but that was a time where, oh my gosh, I wish somebody had been on set to say, here's what's in the contract. This isn't an emotional thing at this mm -hmm. point. It's written, here it is. There's no yeah. arguing with that. And an actor or actress should never have to make the choice between make, being feeling comfortable at work and like possibly losing their job. Um, and, you know, I, I mentioned it when Risa before said something about my death scene and how few clothes I had on. They wanted me to be, I've never told this story before, so mm. <laughs> like maybe I'll regret, yeah. regret it, but they wanted me to be fully nude for that. And it was written in the script that I was fully nude. And I said to my um, agent, I was like, I'm not going to do it. Tell them ahead of time. I don't want to do it because if I'm 
like if I'm strung up there totally naked, mm. all anyone is going to see is a dead naked woman or a dead naked whore actually to be very precise mm. and like graphic about it because that is what is going to be said. Whereas this whole, you know, the whole point of my death scene was to show like the horror of what this young king was willing to, you know, the extent he was willing to go to, how brutal he was, how cruel he was. I was, you're not, no one's going to be talking about that if I'm strung up there naked. Mm. So I said I, ahead of time I wasn't going to do it. I get to set, I walk into the trailer, and there's the nudity wafer. Um, so I come out, we go, we go to set for rehearsal, and um, I, say to, I say to the director, he, he mentioned something about alluring to the nudity, and I said, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be naked. Um, I want you to know I'm not comfortable doing that. I told everyone ahead of time, I'm, I'm not doing it naked. Um, and he goes, oh, okay, well, and this is in front of the entire the entire crew, not, not a closed set. And he said, oh, well, well, we'll talk about it later. Okay. So the later comes, I'm back in my trailer, I'm waiting to be called to set. I get a knock at the trailer door and it's the showrunners. And they say to me, oh, we heard that you won't sign the nudity waiver. I said, no, I won't sign the nudity waiver. I'm not doing it naked. You want to put a dress on me and rip holes in it and douse it with blood so you can practically see through it? I don't mm -hmm. care, do that. I'm fine with that. But if you string me up there naked, all that they're going to see is a dead naked whore. And I don't mm. want to do it. And mm. plus, I'm dying on the show anyway. So what have I got to lose? <laughs> but that's the stage it had to get yeah. to, that I knew that I was going to be off the show. So I felt I had the power to put my mm -hmm. foot down. If that hadn't been my death scene, you bet your bottom dollar, mm. I wouldn't have done that. Really? Because I, no, because I wouldn't have wanted to choose between losing my job well. and being and being naked i mean and i know that sounds terrible but this was you know seven years ago now mm -hmm. this was long before the me too this was long before um these conversations were being had and um you know and and they and i basically had to hold up the day shooting because they were like well we can't shoot until we've got your nudity waiver and i was like why well, aren't saying signing a nudity waiver so if you're going to make me the diva that won't come out mm -hmm. of her trailer then so be it um, and I've heard so many stories from actresses where it's gone the other way. And they, yeah. just like you said, you know, you're holding up the day, like, come on, time right. is money, let's go. Yeah. And you're just a young actress yeah. on and set. You and, and you shouldn't have to make the choice between feeling unprofessional, because that's how it made me feel. Mm -hmm. I've never shown up to set late in my entire life. Mm -hmm. I've never called in sick. I was like, don't, I, mm -hmm. don't put me in a position where I have to be the bad guy because you chose not to listen to what I was very clear about way ahead of time. And now when I can't call my agent, I can't call my manager, I can't call my mm -hmm. attorney because they're all in LA yeah. and they're asleep. There was a male director, right? Male director? It was. To yeah. male showrunners. Yeah. So but, it was, but you ended up having some cover in the end. Yeah, in mm -hmm. the end, um, you know, I said, I'll wear the dress, you can rip the holes in it and you can splatter in it blood. And uh, at the end of the day, I'm so glad I stuck with my guns yeah. because nobody, not one person, has ever talked about that death scene in the context of my character mm -hmm. they, and, and, and what kind of character right. I was portraying. They talk about that scene as like, oh, that is like the pivotal moment that they hate you know, for Joffrey. Them, for yeah. Them. But it's just so important what you said that it goes exactly to what the original question is, is what, you know, what is consent? And you had the power to push point, back yeah. mm -hmm. because you knew you were going to die. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a you really important point because you guys are both beautiful, Caucasian, educated, mm. you know, really profoundly like sophisticated, smart women. And so for you guys to go through that journey that took so much bravery and thought, it's, I have people on the set, it's their first job, they're people of color, they're mm. very young, you know, they, I mean, they come from some messed up home life. So, Gosh, those people really need it even more. I mean, everyone does, but yeah, but they have no perspective. They don't know yeah. to advocate for themselves, and just even the way you talked about the difference from the beginning to this last moment, right. how you started to advocate for yourself. Are there any other situations where it's not just about nudity, where it's about you know a certain kind of vulnerability, a certain like a certain kind of um, 
exposure. I've heard from a lot of actors of color where they're asked to do things that are, you know, the antithesis of who they are. They feel it's stereotypical and that's being, you know, mm-hmm. even though you're being beaten as a mm-hmm. woman or, or a man on the ground because you're uh, Middle Eastern or because you're black or whatever that is. And then you're being represented in ways that, again, you didn't really sign up for, but you get there. And before you know it, you're compromised. Uh, I can't speak to the race question as much, but I do think it overlaps with the the intimacy directing because there's somebody who's always there to check in. And yeah, directors are busy and they're, they have a lot of balls in the air. And so if there's somebody who's who's just consistently checking in, like you said, um, I, I didn't even have that perspective, so I'm really glad you said it, that I was lucky to get that phone call where I could say, mm-hmm. I don't want to do this. And I, was, I wasn't even thinking of it through that lens. I didn't you know, get invited to another episode and then show up and there's your Merkin. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I, uh, that there was somebody there. I know that that conversation, hearing that and reflecting on it, um, I know that that conversation, that conference call happened because there was an intimacy coordinator and she knew that these mm-hmm. are just the steps that we go through to make sure that there's full consent and understanding of what somebody's getting into. Yeah. And for the most part, I mean, my situation was extreme, but for the most part, you know, people are happy to be there and like there's some negotiation to, to be had, you know, like, okay, yeah, you guys can douse it with blood and rip it up, but there's got to be something covering me. Okay, we can come to some sort of agreement. Like I know that's just that intimacy coordinators are now on set and, and people are really, uh, certain people sometimes have been resistant to it and called them, for example, I've heard this one story where they were called like the sex police and they're not there to Mm -hmm. sort of police things or make sure no sex Mm -hmm. happened. Sex is part of the human experience and we're all there to express the human experience. Nobody's trying to like dampen that, Mm -hmm. but there's a negotiation of real world and fictional human experience that like we do need to sort of bridge that gap on mm-hmm. and there's somebody there to facilitate it so it becomes sort of this no-brainer of oh somebody can just make our stories better and everybody gets to be part of it and help mm-hmm. and help people have mm-hmm. a voice mm-hmm. have you ever been in that situation where you've been with somebody who's pushed too hard a fellow actor yeah uh, violence it, it, or sex or or any kind of version of being asked to do something that is in a vulnerable space yeah and it goes back to your first question about consent because I think it has to be more than just the actor, the two actors. It has to be everyone on set mm. because I've been in positions where I've had to be very violent with women and uh, wow. the directors, sometimes they just say, hey, you can figure this out. It's like a thing that there's consent between him and I and I, I, I just say, early on a director asked me to do something when I had first moved here on a TV show and, and uh, you know, it can't get too far, it's on network television, but I was young and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And then he comes back and he's like, don't do that. Don't do that. And I realized what happened was I had pushed the limit and everyone probably said, don't. he didn't take the blame, I don't think, mm. but I probably took the blame for pushing it too far, but I was just mm-hmm. listening to him and I learned a lesson that day early. Mm. So now I just, I put the responsibility on myself. If someone, if it's violent, if it's someone who feels uncomfortable, I just say, I'm uncomfortable because sometimes people don't want to speak up for themselves. And, mm-hmm. and uh, one mm. movie... I had to rape a woman, and she was as okay with it as she could be. But in private, we talk, and she was she. I felt like she was uncomfortable, so I just made it that I was uncomfortable, and it it helped because then everyone had to have the conversation. Mm-hmm. Because I've been in that position before a number of times where directors are just like, "You got this, work it out, you'll figure it out," and I'm like, "No, that's." That's not how this works. <laughs> well, I think certain directors are uncomfortable with sex scenes. It's not just the actor. And I, I know three instances where uh, on sets I was on with, where the director came in. He didn't have a shot list. He didn't know what he was going to do. And it was just, you guys, you, you got it. You know, just work it out. He was clearly, clearly uncomfortable mm-hmm. with it. Because the, the, the writer, who is a woman, said, what are you talking about? You know, how can you not know, mm-hmm. you know, what, what you're doing here? Because these things have to be just like a stunt. That what you were saying, they have to be choreographed. Mm-hmm. And if and anyone says to you, right, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. oh, yes. yeah, yeah. And if mm-hmm. someone, if a director says, like, yeah, you got this, you know, 
you know that he just doesn't want to deal with it and or she. I put a stop to it usually now. When I hear yeah. that kind of thing, I'm just like, no, I don't yeah, have yeah. it. I'm sorry, but <laughs> yeah. I don't have yeah, yeah. it. Direct yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Direct Absolutely. me. Get some coordinator in here. Yeah. 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 So how do, Laura, how do you negotiate that when you're doing something that's physical? Well, uh, for me, I like to sort of dial in the actors and the stunt coordinator as soon as possible. And like, it's hard because nowadays you get scripts late so often. Mm -hmm. But even if I know there's a fight, I can say, okay, what's the tone of the fight? Who's involved? And then if we work together, I try to work with the uh, stunt coordinator and not only talk about the moves, but talk about what is the meaning of the scene beyond the moves. And come up with safe words, come up with just over and over. Let's do it again. Let's do it again. Where are you going to put your hands when they're on her neck? Are they on the collarbone? What, mm -hmm. you know? And to really marry those technical wor worlds and the emotional life of the scene, because then someone can really play full on in their face, mm -hmm. which for both things is really where it lives. I mean, in someone's eyes. So that's helpful to me. Yeah, I would love if there was a, a vocabulary for it. I believe you had mentioned that because dancers, they know their moves and they, it looks beautiful when it's done, but there's no word for a touch or you know, mm -hmm. a specific mm -hmm. move because a sex scene is going to be sexy. And mm -hmm. if you do it- Is it, Nick? Is hopefully, <laughs> yeah, not, right, yeah. Debatable. Yeah, 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 like, the doing it. But if the actors look comfortable, it's gonna be sexier. Yeah. Uh, right. if that's maybe. A, if, yeah, if, yeah. if it's meant to be, yeah. 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 If it's yeah. meant to be, yeah. yes. Yeah. Uh, but if there were just That's such moves, a good point. Yeah, yeah. that things would yeah. have an arabesque is, the, yeah. is understood. And, and then you can make it your own. Coordinated, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I think we forget. We forget that all of these things have to be, you know, psychologically, mm -hmm. emotionally, and physically, mm -hmm. you know, coordinated. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing um, I'd love to just jump into in the midst of all this, because we are the BGB studio, we are sitting here in Studio A where a lot of work happens, mm -hmm. a lot of very intimate, vulnerable, physical, personal work uh, happens. I was in class this morning and people were, one guy was on top of another woman and they were making out and rolling around and all I could think of was please 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 did you guys ha have consent conversations out in the hallway um, they know each other well but it, you know it's it's really important to us and it, we hear stories um, and we've had situations even here where you know you're working on a scene in class just like you might be in rehearsal on stage but there's no intimacy coordinator in class we are the intimacy coordinators and what happens and I know for those of you who are actors and have been in class um, when there's a scene that it requires kissing, um, touching, mm -hmm. any kind of act of, of intimacy, emotionally or not, and physical contact or pushing or, you know, what do you do? Because I've seen actors give up their power even in class, yes. you know, and, and then walk away ashamed and regretful yeah. and there's been no money at stake. So yeah. any thoughts or feelings about that? Yeah, when I first started, I did. I went to Northwestern, and then I studied Meisner, which I love studying. Which we do a lot of here. Yeah, which, yeah. but that's crazy free sometimes. So like every scene ended up with fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. <laughs> I want to fuck you. I want to fuck you. I mean, it was just like this constant. You know, everybody was like horny twenty-year-olds, yeah. which was great, but it got super weird many times. And nobody was there. The teacher was in the same mindset. Like, we just got to go for it. This is the art. Let's go for it. And then on top of that, you're rehearsing with people in your apartment. You don't know who they are. The scenes push buttons for those people. So here you are in your apartment, and some dude starts freaking out about how he hates women or whatever it is. And the class is sort of a mini version of the set. Because mm -hmm. even though there's not money, there's status, there's desire, there's the teacher, there's the mm -hmm. students who are really good actors that mm -hmm. you aspire to be. So I think there's the same issues of power. And hierarchy, yeah. 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 And I think it's so difficult if you, especially if you're working in, um, you know, with improvisation. Um, you know, I had a scene in class once where um, we were improvising and, and, the, and the other male actor, like, shoved me up against the wall. Was that, was that in our class? Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but really quite violently, but he wasn't, no, we hadn't discussed it beforehand. Obviously, we're um, you know, improvising as where the improv, improv went. You know, I feel like he wasn't being inappropriately aggressive, but it triggered me. And I didn't know what to do because I was triggered. So it wasn't even about like being able to say, oh, let's stop the scene, I'm not comfortable because I was in trauma response, mm -hmm. which meant that I froze up and I stood still and I 
tried to make myself small and I didn't say anything because that's what you do when you're in a trauma response. So it's so difficult because how, you know, how do we have that freedom to improvise? And I have a certain amount of like, well, you know, my shit is my shit. I have to deal with it. But at the same time, every everybody has has shit in it and it's and no one is to know what it's linked to and I think oh god there's maybe I've done things to trigger people in class before and oh you know <laughs> I I stress out about that and it's like how do we get to a place where we can have creative freedom but we can you know like when you're not able to have those conversations ahead of time like what we have to have them ahead of time mm-hmm. yeah. but, but 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 Esme we have to have them ahead of time mm-hmm. especially going into either a miser repetition round or an improv where you don't right. know mm-hmm. even what's on the page mm-hmm. you know you have to have those conversations ahead of time and say this is safe or have a safe word or something where people are just understanding what the boundaries are mm-hmm. i love this idea of the safe word because um you can even if you're in trauma response, you can you can, you can say a word. Oh like, my god, yes. Even at that point, you can go, you know, pineapple, mm. heffalump, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you can tell people because you want the scene to be so viscerally great. But if you see it going there as a director, you might say, put that into another gesture. You mm-hmm. mm, move away from her. Then you cannot go towards her. But don't lose that mojo, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. that's a structure, too. Yeah. Yeah. I try to treat it as if I'm on set. Even if a scene is improvised and I want to kill this person, this guy, I'm not going to punch him, no matter what. Mm. On a set, I'm never going to punch him. I'm never going to kiss another woman if, if that's not what's been agreed upon on set. So I try to treat class like that. We're going to have a conversation. And if we didn't, no matter where it goes, like you said, whether it's into another action or something, just don't go there. And it's pretty amazing where you can get mentally and, and, and that you can learn a lot from that. Withholding that aggression, physical violence. And also dealing with what's underneath all yeah. that because again, there's usually something else that's mm-hmm. happening that's triggering that kind of aggressive response. So what, it, what does that look like? But these conversations in class, before class, have to happen and we're trying to be vigilant about that here so that those kind of traumatic experiences don't happen or people don't misunderstand each other and, 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 and act inappropriately, behave aggressively or inappropriately. And imagine everybody has different triggers. Well, this is the thing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And yeah. and it's and it can be something for one person they're completely yeah. fine with and something for mm-hmm. and it might seem like a benign situation mm-hmm. that you're like, "Oh, you know, I only gave her a bit of a shove, but or you know, whatever it is, you know, I only stroked his hair, I only did this, that, and the other, but we, we don't know exactly. Mm-hmm. We don't. Everyone has boundaries in different places. Creating these, these, these boundaries aren't. They're not boundaries mm-hmm. to stop the creative work or the connection. We they're actually to create and safe enough space so that, like you were talking about that, Laura, when you're working with actors on set, so that people actually have the freedom then to express themselves, knowing what those boundaries and structures are, and there's safety and freedom in those structures. And so that's that's so important mm-hmm. that we have to remember in all the work mm-hmm. we do. We don't do that here for that very reason, which is ask people to go work with each other at home outside mm-hmm. because of those things that happened to me when I was in New York very young. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't an actor. I was in an acting class as a director. But I went to some guy's house who was my scene partner. And you know he went after me. And physically, and I had to run out the door, and I was—it was—it was, it was tra- traumatizing. And I told Steve when we started this studio, I said, "Nobody goes to anyone's yeah, apartment yeah, in this yeah, in this work." Yeah, yeah. But if you're listening to this and you are required to do that and do outside work, try to find a safe space yeah. and have those rules identified before you walk in somebody's space or apartment. Always say ahead oh, of time. Yeah. This, especially, you're going to be doing an intimate scene with no supervision mm-hmm. and no guidance and no boundaries. It can get risky. So, not only do not, I not advocate, we don't advocate for that. But also, if you do do that, have those rules and boundaries mm-hmm. that are super important to you. And whether you're in class, in an audition, in rehearsal, whether you're dealing with a class scene partner or with someone you think is in a power position, which is often imagined, and feeling pressure to do something you're not comfortable with, you have to look at your part in it and not make yourself small or powerless, you know? Yeah. Well, I, my question is, um, when you're talking about people who have maybe, from the top, mm-hmm. you know, asked for something, what is their motivating... Um, factor or I don't want to put you on the spot but uh, you know you said that sometimes you've asked for something that maybe you wouldn't ask for anymore what motivated you to do that was it when in the beginning when you said you know there have been times when I've asked people oh 
Yeah, well... I mean, it's your part. Um, yeah, I mean, I it, some dark nights of the soul there, yeah, yeah. you know, when yeah. I would, you know, working on the doors, I could I'd say this, I have no problem with it. And I'm you being asked... Some, you were working with some rough Some directors. rough cats, yeah. yeah. rough directors. Oh, you do? <laughs> yeah. okay, I'm, everyone's got their door yeah. story. But, you know, I'm mm. being asked, like, I got called in the middle of the night to come down to set to go into a trailer and ask a woman... You know, she, she she has to do a blowjob scene, and she didn't really understand that. Could you just convince her to do the blowjob scene? And I got out of bed and went and did it, and and gave her you money to make. <laughs> I mean, I'm not proud of that, but I did. And you I'm know, so glad for you to say that. It's well, just you know, to it, hear it, you because I that. was just I was drinking the Kool Aid, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And it's not that I didn't. I mean, I, on that same movie, I would argue about you know how to portray women and how to do better in 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 how the women were portrayed and how the Meg Ryan character was portrayed, even though it was a, it was a real person and, and fought, fought, fought for the voice of, of the, of the women, you know, in that story. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know why I did those things. You know, I just thought well, it was they, my job. I thought it was, it was my job. job. You yeah. didn't even think, you didn't even think about it. You didn't even think to question. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's the thing. Mm-hmm. And that's, we have to take responsibility yeah. for that. the things that we saw, the things that yeah. we allowed, mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff. You weren't conscious of it. Yeah. I mean, we were, we did a show, a pilot together where the producer, um, somebody who I was working for was asking to meet with the actresses privately and I, I mean, I didn't think anything of it, you mm-hmm. know, sending these... But you, you know, and I had an argument about that. Yeah. I actually don't even remember, yeah, yeah. but we, what was I arguing? Just, just let, let's leave, just leave do it alone. Leave Usually, Lisa, just leave, leave it alone. alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, um, you know, it's, you just don't, I, I was, didn't even cross, it didn't even cross my mm-hmm. mind, things that I had heard mm-hmm. and, and seen. I, I ask that and yeah. appreciate the honesty just because it, I think it's really important to the conversation, the evolution to understand yeah, yeah. sort of where we came from and where yeah. we're going. Would never in a million years ever, ever, ever th- mm. think to allow for that again, but ever. You, but no, you know, no. hearing just hearing you say that, it just, it takes, you know, because I have... You know, I've I've dealt with my own fair share of shame about, mm. you know, not that I am ashamed of what I did, and I'm very glad I did it, but, um, you know, at the same time, like, you carry this burden of, like, well, what kind of example was I setting to other actors, and da-da-da-da-da, mm-hmm. and as you carry this shame about some of the things offset that you've endured and you know some of the meetings mm-hmm. I've taken where I'm like dear god well, like what was I thinking mm-hmm. like what an idiot um and I blame myself for it and should, but yeah. but then knowing mm-hmm. that like you know that on all levels of the mm-hmm. industry there are people who have you know who've gone along with behavior that wasn't acceptable because they felt that it was their duty, yeah. their job, they're just well, part of the but, expectation. But even when it happened to, you know, to me personally, and you know, the thing with it, taking it happens on it happens on all levels, and right. I do think that yeah, you you're embarrassed, you're mm-hmm. you know, you're ashamed. It's like well, you don't you just know feel you don't know what to do. Yeah, you don't, you don't know, know what, what to do. do about you think it. you're doing the right yeah. thing. You're yeah. playing the game. That's what we're taught. You know, mm-hmm. and it sometimes it doesn't even feel like a game. It just feels like you know either you don't have the voice or, or agency, yeah. you know, or that you don't know it's you don't even know how bad it is mm-hmm. until later. Unfortunately, I've talked to a lot of actors, and you you uh, you hear, man, this this Me Too thing, you know can't say this, can't say that, you know, and it's usually actors talking to male actors, talking to other male actors, and mm-hmm. and then I have to, you don't want to argue because that's not going, that's just, mm-hmm. that's not going to help them. So you just, <laughs> that's a tough thing for me because I don't know how to talk to them. I'm not on their side, but I also want to let them know, hey, what, you're wrong. So just, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard because a lot of actors still think, you know, they're, they're like, you don't know what's true or what's not. It, let's just think it's true then, buddy. You yeah. know, but you can't say that because then you're like, oh, you're you're not on my side, and it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. And one thing you can always say, which is a little bit, not pushing it aside, but you can say, but there's a conversation happening, and we all have to just mm-hmm. be in the conversation. We all have to mm-hmm. be in the awareness of it, and it's going to be uncomfortable because I know so many. You know, for a lot of men and for women, nobody knows what to say anymore. What's allowed? Mm-hmm. What's not allowed? You know, and it becomes paralyzing. But at least to say. But there is a conversation now, and that's what this is about. And yeah. that's what I usually say. I say, well, it's not a bad thing. What's happening is not a bad thing. Like, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Usually is their <laughs> response. Just, yeah. But it's, 
It's yeah. like you know. You know in your heart it's not a bad thing, well, but what, you're just are, frustrated. I will say I still have um, a fair number of male directors who I've known for a long time, so they feel really comfortable with me, and we're at the DGA or something, and they go, I, yeah, I'm happy for you guys, but it really sucks for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just getting on my feet, and <laughs> yeah. I'm like, Boo-hoo. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I feel really bad. But it's human nature. Mm. I mean, everyone loves mm. doing this. And that's sort of the motor for the manipulation to a certain degree because, gosh, we, we're so lucky to do it. We love it so mm-hmm. much. So it's really hard to go walk away. And honestly, I'm in a different position because, I, you know, I've got my nest egg. Mm. I have my life. It's stable. It's right. So I can walk away from anything. What do we have to do, each of us, all of us, to perpetuate and create change in how all of this functions, consent, uh, vulnerability, a safe mm-hmm. and, and supportive workplaces among men and women. Uh, this could be ambitious, but I would love if film schools or theater schools introduced a class on consent, general education, um, something like the, the coordinator on these sets, just to teach people coming up, young people, how to deal with other people. Uh, men, women, in every situation. But there needs to be an understanding between everybody. It can't be someone who just says, you guys will get it. Uh, and if we were taught that from a younger age, just like you know, what camera you're going to use, the lighting, things like that, I, I think um, it would benefit everyone. I think um, what really comes to mind as we're telling these stories is just diversity of power. Um, because I think that that balances any sort of situation that you have yeah, a diverse power structure so that it doesn't all rest on one type of person who has one specific perspective. And I know that um, now uh, stars are more often putting in their writers that there needs to be this, this percentage of diversity in this specific way that they are advocating for. And to be honest, from the stories that I've heard, I haven't um, personally experienced that, but from the stories that I've heard of people who have been on sets like that is that it is a little bit rockier when there are people who haven't had the as much exposure, as much experience, but it's for the ultimate goal of getting those people experience so that they can move up through that power structure. It creates you know, a, a more diverse power structure. And I would just reiterate what I said earlier that um, from behind the cameras, that every time there is an opportunity to make a change or to fight for something, even if it's the smallest little thing, the smallest little characteristic in a character, or to fight for somebody you really believe in, to just take it. Mm-hmm. Because every little every little bit is gonna have some repercussion. Yeah, and I guess my two cents would be, it's changing a lot, it hasn't changed enough. Um, I think creating your own material, I think meeting with other writers, other directors, how does this go for you? And creating this connection and this uh, sort of foundation. So when you are in the heat of battle and everyone's ready for you to fall on your face or cry or whatever, that hopefully you have some fortitude to get through it. And uh, yeah. And I think sort of following on from that and more like what I mentioned earlier was trying to just trying to remember in the craziness of the industry and the um, competitiveness of it and (laughs) all of that um, that we're human beings and when you can and and I recognize we're not at a stage where you can always do this but using your voice for somebody especially somebody else who Mm -hmm. hasn't been able to find their voice or is trying is like that one person who's saying something like backing them up like you said Mm -hmm. just being that one person that goes, yeah, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna support my female co, mm-hmm. female co star mm-hmm. by saying I'm not comfortable either yeah. because then I know that she's gonna get what yeah. she needs, and I think those little things are gonna yeah. work. And that can also be great, it's a great like, thing to do to the, support the woman. And it can also be the background artist or the craft person mm-hmm. right, or sure. the animal trainer or exactly. you see somebody, you constantly see people, if they get a chance, they're going to get in there mm-hmm. and, you know, try to get something going. So you have to be, everyone has to be culturally on the same page. And sometimes ideally. it only takes one person yeah. because yeah. most of the time people know what they're doing is, mm-hmm. is wrong. It's just mm-hmm. one other voice mm-hmm. can make a huge right. difference. 
Thank you all so much for participating in this. If you have any other Thanks thoughts, time. let us know. And mm -hmm. let's just keep having this conversation. I think what I'm learning out of this is just to keep having this conversation, yeah. not yeah. to be afraid of it. To, to, and yeah. to, I love the notion of slowing down and remembering that we are human beings trying to do creative work in vulnerable mm -hmm. spaces mm -hmm. that really requires us to show up and remind other people what that looks like so that we can get back to the work we love mm -hmm. and the stories that we want to tell and not, don't, not to get caught up in, in all of the other things where the train is just moving too fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that the other side is not the other side, quote unquote, because they're not the other side, but they're not the enemy. And sometimes no. if somebody feels that way, they get even more sort of puffed mm -hmm. up and it gets worse. So, Yeah, yeah it, it often comes from fear. Yeah. A lot of this comes from fear and not mm -hmm. not knowing what to do. And so we all know, and, it's, and it is maybe feels like a very male thing, but I know that it happens to me sometimes where you just, when you feel afraid, you get aggressive mm -hmm. you, or you get defensive, yeah. right? And when you see that in people, and I would say that to the audience and to all of us, just to keep remembering, you know, to, to, to look somebody in the eye and to say, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you. We're doing this together. Mm -hmm. I get it. I feel, I feel you. And let's try to figure this out and remember, you know, that we're all trying to actually, like what you said, Laura, which I loved, like, let's remember that we're trying to tell this, you know, it, sometimes in very emotionally fragile story. And if we all pay attention to that and have a language for that, then we'll be able to work more efficiently and rise to new heights. So mm -hmm. here's to that. Mm -hmm. Cheers. Mm -hmm. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love sharing this content with our community. We offer it 100% free, and it's our privilege to do so. If you're loving this podcast and are interested in offering something in return, go ahead and subscribe to The Acting Podcast. Then find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcast and leave us an honest rating and review. Your words will help us bring this work to even more actors and artists around the world. Thank you so much for listening and for being here with us. We love how this community shows up for us and for each other online and in the studio. And as a thank you to our incredible community, we want to give you an amazing free gift. It's called the Comprehensive Guide to the Perfect Self-Tape. So all you have to do is screenshot your review, send it to theactingpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you an exclusive gift of the Perfect Self-Tape Guide to take your work to the next level. And come visit us online at thebgbstudio.com. And if you're in L.A., Atlanta, or New York, jump into a class with us. We're here to get you into the kind of shape necessary to be successful.